Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Amen. Welcome today to our 90th anniversary celebration. For those of you that I have not met before, perhaps uh, you saw me this morning and introduced yourself, which some of you did. I am Steve Warner, and I'm blessed to serve as the lead pastor here at CCWC. You don't normally see me in a coat and, and a tie, and, uh, and so I thought I'd make that known to you. That's who I am. Hey, we are so excited about today, excited about the things that we've been, uh, been kind of walking through the past several months, and excited about uh, just this opportunity to be able to walk through the years and at the same time uh, to, to look specifically and directly at what God has for us now and moving forward. I want to make just a few things uh, known to you, just to kind of bring your attention to them. If you haven't been here in the last several months, we've been talking about the things leading up to this celebration. There's been some things that uh, we've done and things that we've been able to, to take part in uh, as we've gone along. One thing is, you might have noticed, if you haven't been here for a while, uh, there are 10 trees that are planted on either side of the drive as you kind of came up today. Uh, those have been up there for a couple months now. But the, the representation there is one for each decade that we have been in existence, that God has blessed us as a church, and one for the future. And so we're excited about uh, uh, using those as a visual representation of the way that God has been able to, to, to bring us along, has blessed us, has, have, we are going to see some blooms in the spring. And so we've been able to see some, and we will see some blooms from that as well, and just the way that God is moving. Another thing I want to make mention of is when you came through the main lobby, you might have seen uh, just a little stage set on the right. That is a photo booth. We encourage you to stop by there with your friends and family today and take a photo or two uh, just to kind of commemorate the day. And the last thing you might have seen, I don't have mine on today, but you might have seen some t-shirts that say 90th on them. Uh, we have those available for a $5 donation at the cafe. Stop by and grab one or as many as you'd like while supplies last. Uh, we'd love to be able to, to give those to you and, and for, for us to be able to wear them uh, with pride and excitement because of the God that we serve and the God that, uh, that has granted us the opportunity to gather in this place and to do so even today as he has through the years. We've got several special gifts that are special, they are gifts, special guests that are joining us here today. Uh, one of which is going to be sharing uh, this morning's message. And uh, as we uh, come together in this place, what an amazing time it is while we're physically in one service, to be able to come together under the leadership of one that has guided our denomination since 2016. Our special guest that's going to be sharing our, our message today is, is Reverend Dr. Wayne Schmidt. His bio is in your bulletin, but I know that nobody reads the bulletin, so I'm going to read it now. Dr. Wayne Schmidt has, was elected to be the General Superintendent of the Wesleyan Church on June 6, 2016 by the North American General Conference in Buffalo, New York. Previously, Smith served as the Chief Administrative Officer of Wesley Seminary at, Wesley, at Indiana Wesleyan University from 2010 to 2016. From, from 1979 to 2009, Schmidt served first as co-founding pastor and then senior pastor of Kentwood Community Church in, Rapid, or excuse me, in Grand Rapids, Michigan area. He contributed leadership in planting the church and growing it to a multi-ethnic and multiplying church, taking a lead role in planting 10 daughter churches during Schmidt's tenure. He's grateful for 41 years of ordination in the Wesleyan Church. He's a graduate of Marion College, now Indiana Wesleyan University. 
holds a master's degree from Calvin Seminary, and, is, and, and earned a doctor of ministry degree at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. Schmidt has written several books, including Accountability, Becoming People of Integrity, Leading with God is Leading When God is Moving, Soul Management, Lead On, Power Plays, Ministry Velocity, and Surrender. He and his wife Jan celebrated their 44th anniversary in August, and they are blessed with three children and their spouses and seven grandchildren. Would you stand and join me in welcoming Dr. Reverend Dr. Wayne Schmidt to the platform? Thank you. Well, thank you, everyone. It's a delight to be with you, and everybody gives me a blessing when they just call me Wayne, so that would be a gift to me as we enjoy uh, time at lunch today. Yeah, I loved coming over yesterday. I decided to extend the trip, uh, the drive from Indy, from four hours to five hours because that would allow me to take the back roads and enjoy some of the beauty of southern Ohio. I love southern Indiana, southern Ohio. I live in the part of Indiana that is completely flat. So any uh, up and down feels like a mountain to me. And so yesterday I drove through the mountains to come and to be with you and so thankful for the Mosier family for hosting me while here. Thanks, Jared. Good to meet you. I missed missing uh, meeting Carissa. And then last night at dinner, I enjoyed some time with Lynn and Paul and, of course, Pastor Steve and Cherie. And found out all their kids have S names anyway. So, uh, but I, they did not, were not included in our day. And then came here for the recount of the history and one of the most intriguing and complicated games of tic-tac-toe <laughs> that I've ever experienced. I was concerned for a while when they divided the congregation into X's and O's that we were going to split the church right before our 90th anniversary. And uh, so we afterwards enjoyed good refreshments to heal the wounds of our time of competition last night. You know, I love anniversaries, uh, and uh, this one, 90 years, uh, so thankful the church that I was privileged to serve this past week served its 43rd, and that sounded like a long time, but 90 years is such an accomplishment. I'm so thankful that you're still seeing new life in Christ, still seeing people be baptized, still seeing people called to ministry, still having a vision within the walls and beyond the walls to be a transforming presence in your community. And I'm celebrating as well that you are stewarding the strength of what God has entrusted to you to ask how can we be a broader blessing in the community, in our region, in our district, and, and around the world. So congratulations on your 90 years. As was mentioned, Jan and I just celebrated our 44th anniversary. I don't know how it is if you are married and in your anniversary celebrations, but I must admit ours are kind of uneven. So we've had some really big celebrations, like we went to Alaska for our 25th. We went to Europe for one of ours. My wife says that doesn't really count because I was there for business and she came along and we added a day on, so I don't get much credit for that. I should have just left it at, I took her to Europe for one of our anniversaries. Uh, and then last one, our 44th, uh, we have a family home not far from Lake Michigan. So we drove about a half hour to the shore of Lake Michigan, stopped by Culver's on the way, picked up a salad in our plastic little case, 
went to the picnic table there by the park where we watched uh, the, the sunset and walked up and down the shore. Really simple. The whole thing cost me about 25 bucks, and, uh, but it was our 44th anniversary. So sometimes in the life of churches, anniversaries are like a super big deal, and sometimes they're just pretty simple, and at least I've found that's those, that rhythm of big moments and then just treasuring the everyday moments, the passing of years, can be a real gift uh, from God. Uh, I, I just want to as well uh, give you a little sense of our, the last anniversary that I was with our church uh, is uh, in, represented in this picture. In this picture, uh, there is, uh, in the middle, the person who saw, uh, served as our founding pastor, and I was privileged, along with he and his wife, Janet, and their two kids, which consisted our whole youth group, and Jan and I were part of that church planting team. I was honored to serve with him for two years before he moved on in his ministry to Youth for Christ to their national headquarters, which at that time was in Wheaton, Illinois. And I was privileged later to, uh, because he had been such a mentor in my life, to uh, donate to him a kidney. And he got 12 years of use out of it uh, before he passed away. And his wife, widow was kind enough to call me and say, Wayne, want you to know it wasn't your kidney that caused his death. And I said, well, that's good. That really would have spoiled the moment if I found out I was the one who contributed a faulty part and that ended up uh, taking his life. Tremendous blessing in my life. I found out earlier because I went as a 21-year-old kid, they really had him there to keep an eye on me for a while, and he did a good job of that. On the other side is the person who's my successor, Pastor Kyle Ray. And so after 30 years, God made it evident that he and his wife Petra were to bring, give leadership to the congregation. And so the passing of the baton was such a privilege. And that's something that's happened in these 90 years of your history as the baton is passed from pastor to pastor. I had a business person who was a mentor to me and uh, he had a, a, a statement that he made in business terms, but I'll never forget it. He said, Wayne, in business, people, he was the CEO of his company, he said, in business, I recognize we sit in a power seat, but we get into trouble when we think it's ours. We're really only in it for a time, and we keep it warm for the next person after us. And I've always thought of ministry in that way. Each of us in the legacy of Jesus Christ, uh, Dr. Holdern made this point so powerfully last night, that legacy, we steward it for a time, and then we pass it to those who follow after us. One more anniversary thing. I just got to share this story on my mom uh, because it's their anniversary coming up this, this week. Uh, my dad died when he was fairly young and my mom uh, was single and was in our congregation. And then our minister of visitation, his wife passed away and he was being pursued by the widows. And so they came up with a plan that they would hang out together because they would never be more than friends. Well, you know where that led to. Soon they decided that they were to be married. And he uh, is, was at the time 73 and she was 59. And she said 14 years of difference. So she said, listen, buddy, if I marry you, 
you got to promise me 15 good years at least. And that's the kind of fun they have in their relationship. And I just want you to know that this week will be their 26th anniversary. So, uh, yep, he's done good. He's, he's gone above and beyond. And uh, he'll be 100 in February. So we're just uh, thankful for the years that God has given to them. So for anniversaries, I want to make two points today because I'm between you and lunch. So two points today. The first is that anniversaries are a time for remembering. And I want you to know this 90th anniversary isn't necessarily original with you or celebrating significant occasions isn't necessarily original with you. But that in the Bible, celebrations were a normal part of the rhythm of the nation of Israel. They had five major annual feasts and then in addition to that they had feasts that relate to uh, their uh, annual kinds of events and also some events that related to their exile and God how God had cared for them when they were in exile so the idea of celebrating significant historical milestones as a way of remembering is in the narrative of scripture and the idea of remembering is much richer than we often think of it uh, remembering we often think well in the old days we used to think about tying a string around our finger or putting a post-it note on the fridge now it's putting a reminder in your phone you know something to prompt your memory so you don't forget but some years ago, uh, I was digging around in the book of Ecclesiastes. Some of you have never been there. You ought to visit it sometime. But I was digging around in the book of Ecclesiastes. And um, there's a phrase at the end of the book that says, Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Remember your creator. And I think there's a couple ideas, and that one idea is in the days of your youth. And some of you might say, well, too late for me. But I think the, the meaning could be, remember your creator as soon as possible, at the earliest possible moment. So if you've had a little trouble remembering your creator lately, it's not too late today to begin that process. But it was Chuck Swindoll who put a little uh, additional light on it when he said, remember in scripture is more than just, oh, oh yeah, I remember that. It is, it's the uh, commitment that you make. It's the determination to act decisively on the behalf of someone. So, he used the example of Hannah in the Old Testament who was unable to have children. And it says that she poured out her heart to God so, um, so expressively that even Eli the priest thought, you know, you're drunk woman, the way you're going on about this sorrow that you have. And in that passage, it says God remembered Hannah, and she was able to bear a son, Samuel. 
So it wasn't like God looked down from heaven and said, oh, Hannah, man, I forgot all about her. It was God saying, I will act on her behalf for her good. So can I challenge you, church family, as we remember 90 years, we're not only every once in a while saying, oh, I forgot that pastor who had served with us, or I'd forgot that event that had taken place in our history. We are saying in our remembrance, we will build our resolve to act on behalf of God in this day for the good of the people we serve here and in our community. That's point one. Point two is a little longer, so don't get your hopes up. Point two is this is also a time for forgetting. Now, you're going to say, Wayne, which is it? Remembering or forgetting? It's not my fault. I'll explain that in a moment. But this idea of forgetting is also part of Scripture. So I'm going to take a little poll here right now. How many of you would say, I really have a great memory? Could I see your hands, please? Seven of you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> How many would say, I've really mastered forgetting? Okay. Many more of you. How many would say, and I'm getting better at it as the years go by. I'm really, yes, it's a skill that's really developing in my life. And so this idea of forgetting and remembering have often gone together or been in conflict with one another. For instance, in Isaiah 43, we read these words. Do not, or excuse me, forget the former things. So God says, forget. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Now, it just happens as I was preparing for this message that my one-year Bible, I don't know if any of you use it, but you read an Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm, and Proverb every day, and I've been doing that for a number of years, so you read through all the Bible in one year. And in the one-year Bible, it just happened while I was preparing this message that I came across in my daily reading, Isaiah 43. Here's what stood out to me. Before you ever get to verses 18 and 19, God is recounting his mighty miracles. So the first thing that strikes me is when he says, forget the former things, he's not talking about forget the hard times. He's not talking forget about COVID. He's talking about his mighty miracles and as soon as he's recounted, particularly dwells on crossing the Red Sea and how miraculously that happened, he says to them, forget the former things. Forget the miracles I've done in the past. So I wrestled with that. And then I came to what was immediately after these verses. 
And he talks about what's yet to come, that his chosen people will be refreshed, verse 20. He will blot out their sins, verse 25. He will pour out his blessings on the coming generations, your children, uh, 44, uh, uh, chapter 44, verse 3. And if you go further past chapter 43 to 44, 45, and you get to 46... Here's why I say I can blame my tension of forgetting and remembering on Scripture because just after God has said, forget the former things, a few chapters later he says, do not forget this. Keep in, keep, uh, keep it in mind. Remember the things I have done in the past. For I alone am God. I am God and there is none like me. So which is it? Do we forget? Or do we remember? Or does the Holy Spirit at times prompt us to forget some things we just have to let go of? Forgive some things so they can be forgotten. And does the Holy Spirit at times say, remember this. Keep it in your mind. This is how I want you to act decisively on my behalf. Is it not just one or the other, but it is at this tension that creates strength. One of the things they've told me when working out is by adding weight and adding repetitions and increasing the tension, you increase strength. Now, obviously, I've not tried it, but it's a good idea, it seems. <laughs> and so this tension of forgetting and remembering help us create strength. The Apostle Paul does it individually in Philippians chapter 3 where he says, but what I do, I forget what is behind. I strain towards what is ahead. I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What he's saying is all the things that went before, like I put no confidence in the, uh, in the flesh, all of his accomplishments. Whatever gain I had, I count it loss for the sake of Christ. Paul is saying... I'm forgetting all the things I've done that I might feel help me to earn my salvation. And I'm looking ahead to the fact that my salvation has been provided through Jesus Christ. If you've tuned out for a minute, please don't miss this. There is a critical difference between remembering the past and living in the past. Jan and I were part of a church for a period of time. We were members there. It happened that while we were there, they were celebrating their 50th anniversary as a church. And Jan and I were pretty excited coming into the life of the church at that point because we'd not been part of their 50, pa 50 years in the past, but but we knew of their reputation. We thought, oh, wow, this is a time where they're going to celebrate it, and yet they're going to remind themselves of what's yet to come. The whole time we were there, about six years, the church was stuck 
trying to recreate what had happened 50 years ago rather than saying, what's ahead? They were living in the past. They still had a young marriage class where everyone was in their 60s that was formed 40 years ago. And I thought, look in the mirror, people. This is no longer the young marriage class. You know, the danger is, let's face it, when a church has been really blessed, you can spend your time looking in the rearview mirror, consumed with the way it once was, the pastor we once had, this youth ministry we might have once had, whatever it is, or you can say, hey, God's going to do a new thing yet ahead. And it's not a matter of not honoring, the le- acknowledging the legacy of what's been, but let's anticipate in, let's act with determination on behalf of the future God has yet for us. And so, uh, Dr. Dave last night, Holdren, spoke about legacy so powerfully. And I've tried to capture that idea of legacy with this quote. The legacy that shaped our current reality must not prevent us from making the most of the opportunity that God has before us right now. So I want to take you back to where I began. The people of Israel regularly celebrated their feast their big days, their occasions. And we read in Acts chapter 2 about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. That Pentecostal outpouring happened right during the Feast of Weeks or the feast where they were celebrating the harvest. It was the time of year where they celebrated God's provision through the harvest. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, the prophet Joel, who had celebrated that Feast of Weeks in the Old Testament and the abundant uh, harvest that they had had, said this, about this harvest that was going to happen when God poured out his Holy Spirit upon all who believed in him at Pentecost. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women. You get the point? Women and men gifted for ministry. I will pour out my spirit on them on those days. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In the middle, well, let me just put it up here this way. The birth of the, if I could have it there, thank you. The birth of the church and of a movement of God takes place as the Holy Spirit is poured out in celebration of historical significance. You get it? The church was born in the midst of a historical celebration. 
the Holy Spirit empowerment took place as they were gathered to celebrate what took place in the past. And God said, I want to do that new thing right now in the midst of this celebration. I want the birth of my church to take place. You know what my prayer is for you? That this will not only be a 90 years meaningful celebration for you today, but that many of you will recognize that it was on this occasion God decided to do a new thing. God decided to give a fresh outpouring of his Holy Spirit. God decided to make this church even more than it's been in the past and help other churches to experience the same. And you'll look back and say, oh wow, love of the party we were having on that historical occasion. But God did a new thing for us that empowered us in ways never experienced before in the movement that his Holy Spirit was catalyzing. May it be so. Can I pray for you? Lord, thank you for this great congregation and their past. They do have reason to remember and much to celebrate. But God, one of the ways you've worked in the past is right in the midst of celebrating history, you've empowered the church for a brand new future. So I pray today, this 90th celebration, for this congregation, Christ Community, I pray, Lord, that there will be a fresh empowerment of your Holy Spirit in their lives and that you will work in ways previously unexperienced in order to bring glory to your name and make a, each a witness wherever you've placed them. I pray this in Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen. Amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless. God bless.